What do you think? Is this whole thing a thinly veiled warning for teenagers not to masturbate? <laughs> you think this is all a thing that's telling us that f***ing it will cause your hand to become murderous? I mean, think about it. His parents hear a strange noise at night. They end up dead. It's probably him fucking f***ing off. Then he sees Jessica Alba riding her bike all hot. And the next thing you know, he's fucking killing his friends. So... <laughs> Although they do mention that it's his masturbation hand is the one that doesn't become possessed. He, he's oh, a left-hander, right? Okay. Yeah, he says that that's the hand he uses to pleasure himself, and it wasn't the one that became possessed. So well, that's a lucky that. break. I think if you're going to have a demon-possessed hand, you really hope it's not one that you want to use to pleasure yourself. Although, is it kind of like a stranger doing it? Yeah, but I'd be worried about it like ripping the thing off or something. I don't know. It's... It did do that to the principal. So yeah, maybe you're on the right track there. There yeah. you go. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. Uh, and I'm Nolan. And today we are discussing the late 90s horror comedy idle hands, I guess. Yeah, it's hard to place this genre-wise. I think it fits more in a horror genre than it does uh, in the comedy one. See, I think it fits more into the comedy genre. This is going to be, uh, <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, maybe this is where we're going to head with it. I think, yeah, or maybe what happens is it transitions part way. I think the first third of the movie is like straight horror, and then we transition more into comedy. And uh, we're going to talk about whether that's effective or not, or whether we found the, the movie itself effective. Yes, we're going to cover the whole thing, uh, all the strange happenings and alleged comedy of this one. But uh, first, as we always do, we like to pair the movie up with a beer, and I feel like today's beer pairing is pretty solid. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is a pretty good lock. I'm excited for this one. Uh, we've got a beer here from Left Hand Brewing Company, right? Idle Hands, Left Hand. It's it's kind of perfect, the connection here. I went and visited their website, and they got tons of cool information. They're actually out of Colorado, but we're thankful that we get access to their beers sometimes here in Ontario. Yeah, every so often, the uh, liquor stores here in Ontario will randomly just have some delicious beer from the States, and I saw this one, grabbed it. Only later did I think of this movie. Let's not let that, let that ruin the beer, though. <laughs> what, the movie? Yes. I think the the maybe my favorite part of this whole podcast this week is going to be enjoying this delicious beer. <laughs> uh, so it's a peanut butter milk stout. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. Chocolate, peanut butter kind of flavor is like right up my alley. I love a good stout. So Not exactly stout weather right now, though. No, no, we're approaching summer, but uh, that's okay. Uh, it's fairly early in the day, and I feel like stout is a kind of like a breakfasty kind of thing. So sure. I, don't, I don't mind getting into this early in the day. And they sell this year-round too, I think, right? Yeah, this is a part of their year-round offerings. They have a tremendous amount of beer offerings. So they're out of Colorado. They've been around for a long time. I think they started in 93. 1993? Yeah, they're older than this movie. That's crazy old for craft brewery, isn't it? Yeah, I think they were on the forefront of brewing in the United States. Um, like so many of the other craft breweries we've talked about, it started out as two friends who were just home brewing and didn't really like some of the styles of beers that they were getting. And so they sort of threw their own passion in there. They have a saying on their website. It says, when the mainstream goes right, we go left. Oh, you must have just been fucking <laughs> off that one too. Eh? <laughs> I do love that You're lucky that your hand didn't become possessed. Oh, yes. And it fits so well with our movie, right? That's yeah. the whole idea of the right hand going one way and then the left hand having to... Uh, fight it off or go in its own direction. So that kind of happens to our main character in this story. So uh, it fit perfectly. I'm really excited to drink this. Uh, I think it's going to be delicious. If you have access to any of the left-hand brewing stuff, definitely check it out. And if you are in Colorado and get a chance to go visit, I think this is a place I would love to visit. Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So let's crack it open. 
For sure. We open with some disturbing imagery and very eerie music. The opening credits have what appears to be bubbling puddles of blood, demonic eyes, and some kind of scaly hand. Along with that jittery, slightly out-of-focus font that was a big thing in the mid-90s. Think movies like Seven. Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? The letters are there, and they kind of, like, twitch to the side. Yeah, oh yeah, this felt very 90s. This brought me back. This is a movie that I thought I had seen uh, growing up. I'm not sure how I hadn't, but I recognize nothing in this. Very quickly, I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen this. Yeah, man, your story about going to the movies every week in the fucking late 90s, early 2000s, there's a lot of holes in that story. Like, you had not seen Dude, Where's My Car? You haven't seen this? I don't know, man. I guess I was only going to the same movie over and over again. I don't know, but... Uh... Nothing but Magnolia. <laughs> <laughs> but we got this kind of, yeah, very 90s throwback intro it feels very horror movie to me right now, right? Like, that's yeah, the definitely. vibes I'm getting. Going in, I actually assume this was pure comedy. I'm kind of confused as this gets going here. Honestly, I kind of felt the same way. I didn't realize when I was trying to find a uh, hard copy of this because physical media forever, Shout Factory put out a deluxe edition as part of their Scream Factory label. I was kind of surprised to see this there because I also had, like, comedy memories of this. So a little bit surprising. It appears to be Halloween night, or close to it in our story here, and a suburban married couple is going through their typical bedtime routine, but when they turn the lights off, it's anything but typical. Not in a sexy way, but uh, (laughs) they see a glow-in-the-dark message scrawled in their ceiling that says, I'm under the bed, and thus begins an increasingly frequent series of jump scares. Yes, this was funny. This little interaction of the parents in bed here... For a minute, I thought it was going to be a horror story about old people having sex. (laughs) I was like, they're about to bang. Uh, It was really transgressing in that way. And I thought most of the scares were going to be in the loose flaps of skin and the kinds of dryness and rubbing. that. Don't shame old people who still want to get frisky. No, I absolutely think they should. Uh, That's me just trying to throw some humor in here. Old people should bone as often. (laughs) Oh, God, Jesus. Now you've gone too far the other way. No. Yeah, so there's a crash downstairs, and eventually the dad heads down there, and we start getting some jump scares. We've got a cat jump scare. We've got a knitting needle jump scare. Very horror movie, though. The camera angles, the other sounds. The house that they've chosen to portray this in is pretty creepy as well. I mean, I feel like it's a pretty standard suburban home, but they do mention being really into Halloween decorations and stuff. One of the jump scares is actually when the mom comes downstairs after the husband doesn't come back. They have these, like, scarecrows with pumpkin heads and pitchforks, and that gives you a little jolt. But, yeah, it's like you mentioned the, the, the noise. He blames it on the cat. They think their son, Anton, is responsible for this prank message. Then the cat jumps out later. It's just jump scare, jump scare, jump scare. Fast and furious. But after a slip and fall sends the wife to the ground, she notices blood all over the floor and her hands. So she runs back to the bedroom to call 911 from the landline. Remember landlines? Yeah, no, they're hilarious. Uh, <laughs> we we have all those horror story problems because we only have the landline, right? Yeah. Um, what was the movie we watched? The Canadian Black Christmas, right? That yep. used the landline really effectively to build tension. Well, was the first movie where the call was coming from inside the house because they had two phone lines yeah right? which was pretty awesome i mean you think maybe we might get some of that here or that's what it made me throw back to for sure yeah it doesn't really happen though she tries to call 911, but she's grabbed from under the bed and pulled down there which gives us a scream a whole bunch of blood and brings us full circle as the camera pans back up to the ceiling message that started it all and where do we go from there? To an immediate tonal shift as up-tempo power pop and light through the shutters provides a morning wake-up call for 
Yankees teen heartthrob Devin Sawa. Was your wife as in love with this fucking guy as my wife was? I don't know. I... I, when I mentioned this movie, I tried to get her to watch it with us, and she did perk up a little bit when I mentioned his name. And I don't understand it. Watching this movie, he didn't seem particularly talented or handsome. Maybe it's jealousy talking, but I was like, this guy shouldn't have been a heartthrob. <laughs> I think it was the age they were when they saw him in whatever movie. He's not that kind of like cute boyish quality, I guess. But I agree. I feel the same way. I'm like, what's the big deal with fucking Devin Sawa? Anyway, this is Anton, of course, and as he makes his way into the kitchen, he finds it to be shockingly unstocked. They're out of cereal and dog food. Mom! <laughs> yeah, of course. This guy is your classic stoner, right? He wakes up immediately looking for food. He also smokes up pretty much immediately. That puffer around his neck is actually what he uses to smoke weed. Yeah, he's modified an asthma inhaler into a pipe. Yeah, and that's sort of the indication on what this is. He sits down on the couch. He doesn't notice any of the blood or other problems, of course, right? He's completely oblivious. They spend a lot of time him scratching his balls and his boxers as he's watching <laughs> bad TV and getting high. Yeah. Well, that seems to be his only kind of plans for the morning, just getting high from that asthma inhaler. While he is watching TV, though, we get a short section of a news report mentioning four people who have been found murdered in this town, and that there's now a 9 o'clock curfew in effect for all teenagers. So clearly whatever is happening here is not confined to Anton's house. Now, uh, I mentioned before how his only goals for the morning were kind of to fucking get high and watch TV. What is going to mess up his day is when he runs out of weed. So he calls up his best friends and heads over to where they are to score some more. Now, his friends are played by Seth Green and the guy who was Fulton Reed in the Mighty Ducks movies. And ironically, they end up lecturing him about not having goals. We learn a ton of stuff in this scene, that there's a big dance coming up at the school that Anton rarely attends. He's in love with his neighbor, Jessica Alba, who he's too nervous to talk to. And after Anton mentions the fact that he hasn't seen his parents in two days, we get more information about the series of killings, which he is totally unaware of. Maybe they're dead. Party at Anton's. What are you doing? I'm just saying, with the killer on the loose, you can't rule out murder. What killer? Don't you watch the news? I hate that fucking show. The stereotypical 90s teen vibes are just cranked up to 11 here. Yeah, it's fairly obnoxious, to be honest. At this point, I'm really not enjoying any of these three characters. It also seems to be in opposition to the kind of tone of the movie. I know that that's intentional, though. I think that's what they're trying to go for, but it's really bothering me, all of them. I guess they're trying to say that the problem with society is these kind of kids, or sort of what is kind of coming across to me. You said that this movie was about not masturbating, but it seems like <laughs> they're really sending a message about not wasting your life and trying to do something. I don't know. It's anti-laziness, maybe, is the... Uh, I guess that comes into play later, actually. Now, we mentioned Jessica Alba. She is riding by on, like, a fucking bike or a scooter or something, and she drops a lyric book on the ground. Apparently, she's a badass songwriter. Now, Anton sees an opportunity to connect with her and rushes out to return it after first borrowing some pants from Seth Green. But he chokes out there, getting totally tongue-tied when she opens the front door and basically running away. And we transition from one hot lady to another, as in a quick scene in Beaver, Utah, we meet Vivica A. Fox's character, Debbie LeCure. Or is it liquor? <laughs> yeah, the innuendos here are not very subtle. No, We're no, they're in not. Beaver, Utah. Is that a real place? That can't be a real they place. They call her sister Liquor, and you're just like, <laughs> oh my god. She corrects him, it's Liqueur. Yeah, and she seems to be the sort of prophetic her family knows about evil and she knows something's going down when she hears the news of these killings in this small town and she's got to get there well but first she's the reason we see her in beaver utah she is visiting a prison like a maximum security prison disguised as a nun in order to visit a death row prisoner 
But when she gets a look at the guy's hand, she sees nothing. Now, we don't know yet what she was expecting to see, but whatever it is, she quickly figures out that it will be found in Anton's hometown, so that's where she's heading. And how are things going back in the old hometown? Not great for Anton, who gets rolled by some cops he used to go to high school with. Apparently, they're jealous that he never invited them to get high with him back in the day, so they frisk him, drop his empty weed bag on the ground, and fine him for littering. Yet another sterling portrayal of law enforcement. Yeah, this is interesting. Almost all the movies we watch, the law enforcement agents are just absolutely shit on. Oh my god, all the time. The only positive outlook we get on police officers is when they're fucking, like, bad asses cleaning up shit, right? Like You're Charles Bronson's, for example? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> well, he's also, like, a fucking alcoholic burner all the time so yeah. I don't know. well i guess the only effective ones also go way too hard and too far right is kind of what they suggest yeah this is interesting right they they rough him up and they give him a ticket because he didn't include them later turns out he was heading to the grocery store to get some nutmeg and oregano because he was out of weed <laughs> and, and heard that smoking that shit was going to be a good idea Oh, yeah, man, that's an old wives' tale. It's a marijuana hack that his friend fucking Fulton Reed gives to him. And he gives it a try, but it does not work out. It sends him running to the kitchen to hack his lungs up, where he happens to find a bloody knife and stray eyeball that his cat is, like, eating. That was fucking gross. This sends him into a panic that the killer is in the house, which it is, but he has no idea. Yeah, this is an interesting scene, right? They do the thing where, at first, before he even notices that the knife is bloody and that an eyeball is being eaten, he uses that knife to make himself a sandwich, and he eats some bloody sandwich, right? <laughs> Trying to go for the gross-outs here. Yeah, this is silly. He runs and goes and hugs the dog, and we're getting a very Scooby-Doo-esque moment here as he's starting to figure out that shit's gone down in his house. Yeah, he, uh, the dog, I think, is a defensive thing. I think he just wants something to, like, fucking hold him, for lack of a better term. But he runs outside and right into his friends. And when he brings them into the house to show them what he was running from, we get a pretty enjoyable exchange. Whoa. Oh, man. Yeah. I love this video. I didn't think they could show it anymore. Yeah. Nice. Hey, dickhead, someone killed my parents. That was the best part, dude. That's kind of fun. I don't know. Yeah, before he runs out there and gets his friends, he does find his parents' bodies, right? We yeah, get yeah. that moment where he hides under the sheets for a little and then he finds his parents' bodies. He gets his friends in there and like you said, they like the rap video with the sort of uh, ass shaking and breath shaking more than they notice the dead bodies there. However, they do quickly notice them after Anton brings her attention to them. Uh, the one character starts trying to perform CPR on his dead dad who has his <laughs> eyes missing and clearly there's no chance and we get sort of some bad stoners trying to solve this problem. They're trying to find clues to what might have happened here. Yeah, the guy doing CPR says he saw it on Baywatch one time, which I thought was good also. they, You know what? They do find some clues. It doesn't take them long to find some. Several clues, in fact. There's a piece of Anton's shirt in his mother's dead hand, glow-in-the-dark paint on Anton's fingers, and, oh yeah, the first three letters of Anton's name are scrawled in blood on the floor. Now, his friends are understandably nervous that he's the killer, and you know what's not going to convince him that he's not? When he fucking kills them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so all of this happens, or the transition here happens fairly quickly. Oh my god, it's so it's like two minutes long, yeah. Yeah, I felt like we were in kind of a horror movie mystery, who is the person responsible for all of this, to very quickly we know it's Anton, and shit starts to get silly. 
He kills Seth Green by smashing a beer bottle and shoving it into his forehead. <laughs> it's physically impossible what he just did there. Yeah, well, yeah. and then for the rest of the movie, that beer bottle is sticking out of the forehead of our character. Yep. We'll talk about why he's still around in a moment, I'm sure. Uh, then we have a chase around the house for his other buddy, and it ends with him throwing a saw blade, a circular saw blade, right? Um, and it slices through the guy's neck and clean takes off his head. I don't know much about circular saw blades, but I feel like you can't frisbee one and send it through a dude's neck. You certainly can't. And his form was awful as a oh, like oh, frequent no. disc golfer. Uh, <laughs> the way that he threw that was with no snap and no technique. This was awful. <laughs> There's no way that blade would have made any purchase. That guy has horrible form. Oh my God. I really... I really had mixed feelings watching this scene because on the one hand, I liked those characters and was kind of sad that they theoretically wouldn't be around anymore. But I also found it hilarious they tried to blame all of this on him smoking that nutmeg. <laughs> well, it does appear that he's acting stoned through a lot of this after the nutmeg thing. They did not make it sort of come across as, uh, like, they even show him waking up from all of this and we make it think like it's a dream. But it's not fucking bath salts. Like, like I wouldn't be going insane, but that's what they blame it on. No. Now, to clarify a couple things here. Devin Sawa isn't the killer. It's his hand. The hand is possessed, and it is pulling his body around, which has got to be physically impossible, right? I mean, along with literally everything else that happens in this scene. But either way, this is where we enter the slapstick comedy phase of the movie, and you know who does not have the chops to pull off this comedy? Devin Sawa. Fuck no. I hate every time now that he is battling his hand. He wakes up and for the next rest of this movie or a good chunk of it, he is in control of his body and his mind, but he is not in control of his right hand. It is doing what it wants to do and what it wants to do is fucking murder. Well, I'm not sure that's all it wants to do because the hand drags into Jessica's Alba's house because the hand is also courage. <laughs> well, it he went to Jessica Alba's house because his hand chucked his cat out the window after spinning around for 30 seconds <laughs> and throwing it clean out the window. And we get that like Meow! sound as it goes and flies <laughs> into a bush. Right, but when he gets to the house, she comes out and, like, sees him there, tries to talk to him, asks if he wants to come inside, and the hand, like, forces him to nod his head. So I'm telling you, the hand is trying to drive him into that house, and I'm pretty sure we both have the same thought here. The hand's gonna, like... The hand's gonna f*** her. <laughs> it's gonna f*** her, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's actually... I was kind of like, now I want to know if the hand is both interested in murdering people and also in f because it seems like it. The way that yeah. it pulls him in there, it seemed like the hand wants to take charge here. Um, they do go up to her bedroom. Yeah, I mean, sins are sins, right? The hand's going to want to do what it does. I guess so. Well, it it grabs her ass, and she yeah. kind of likes it. It's a bit oh. of a rough grab, and she's surprised that he's so forward, and so much so that she lays him down on the bed to <laughs> make out with him. And I think she fucks him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they have sex. Yeah, yeah um, now... Which well, is ridiculous. This whole yeah. scene is wildly unrealistic for so many reasons. Like, he's covered in blood when she finds him, and he's objectively creepy. She is way too tolerant of everything that he or the hand does. And unless she is a straight-up nympho, why on earth is she sleeping with him when this is the first time he's literally said a word to her? This is a ridiculous teenage boy fantasy. Although, again, I guess the counter-argument for that is that tons of teenage girls in the 90s were in love with Devon Sawa, so maybe? I don't know. It is obscene, right? It does not give a lot of credit to that character. 
she's just willing to bang him because he grabbed her ass hard. Like yeah. that is that is not yeah, doing right. a lot for female characters, <laughs> it's right? Not. I felt pretty bad about that. While they are making out on there, the hand tries to choke her though. So I think in the end it's it wasn't really a sexual Well, hand. no, but hang on, is it a murder choke or a sexy choke? No, it was murdering. It was trying to murder her. She kind of interprets it as sexy, but it is trying to kill her. What he does, though, is he tears a piece of fabric off and <laughs> ties his hand to the bed. She thinks he's getting S&M and kinky yeah, on She's her into head. that, too. Maybe, yeah. the, maybe the choking to her wasn't a murder choke. Uh, well, she didn't. it didn't stop her from continuing. I think yeah. the hand was still attempting to murder her, though. I don't think it was trying to pleasure her. It would have went down to lower areas of her body if that were the case. Why is she so into this? It's brutal. This There's is no where reason I think for her to yeah, be this no. into this. He yeah. is covered in blood. He hasn't showered. He's dirty. He clearly is not a catch, right? He's not even looking handsome well, for Well, I think there's a whole army of women who were children or teenagers in the early to mid-90s that would disagree with you. I don't think that this is peak him, though. Like, if you were asking them to show what version of him they were into, it would not have been this character. That's probably true, because, again, I think it's the first time thing. But either way, this is completely unrealistic. And speaking of unrealistic scenes, after leaving Jessica Alba's house, he somehow manages to dig four graves with one arm, in which he puts his mom, dad, and two friends. But in the middle of a truly awful eulogy, he hears Seth Green's voice coming from underneath the dirt. Anton understandably finds this odd, but Seth Green tries to convince him that although he jammed a beer bottle into his skull, it didn't actually kill him, it just knocked him unconscious. Now, before Anton can decide if this is a hallucination or not, his two friends burst out of the ground completely zombified. But this is all a dream, right? It seems like it should be, because at this time, I am actually confused on whether it happened or not. <laughs> yeah, you're asking I'm, me questions, because it's not real, right? I'm like, uh... This isn't... They're not actually <laughs> come back and undead. Um... So he heads down uh, after waking up and being like, okay, I'm glad none of that was real to find Seth Green and his other friend sitting on the couch as fucking undead. Oh, yeah, they're, they're zombies. Now, their explanation for why they're undead is actually pretty hilarious. I mean, there was this big, bright white light at the end of a long tunnel, right? And there were all these chicks' voices and that music. Yeah, kind of uncool music like Enya. And these chicks' voices, they were saying, come to us, come towards the light. Woo! So what happened? Oh, we figured, fuck it. I mean, it was really far. Man, did the 90s ever love slackers. Oh, my God. <laughs> A bit of an unnecessary Enya dig there. I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Love it. What a great movie Sweet November is. Um, what Sweet November? Oh, it's terrible. Um, but, yeah, so they're back from the dead because they were too lazy to walk to heaven. So on brand. It's oh so on brand, God. I'm telling you. Yeah, it does feel incredibly 90s. It does. And... I think that I should like this. Like, in my mind, growing up through that time and enjoying stuff, I'm like, this was made for who I was 20 years ago. Yeah, that's exactly the way I feel. But for some reason, I don't have that connection. It's not happening now. Yeah, it's not working for me. I'm like, oh, God, I'm just rolling my eyes at everything and getting grumpy. They're going to have a bit of a conversation now and figure out what they have to do. What's going on here? Oh, yeah, Anton needs answers about his hand, and his friends know someone who knows a lot about evil and the devil, etc. That's his other neighbor, Randy, who we briefly saw earlier in the movie. 
and where is Randy right now? Trying to commit statutory rape at a memorial outside of a local burger joint. This scene was tough to get through for a number of reasons, although Randy does drop the movie title in here when he tells Anton that maybe he wouldn't be killing people if he kept his hands busy, you know? Yeah, he gives him the old idle hands thing, right? Idle hands are the devil's play thing, right? That's where people are going to get into trouble because they don't have enough to do. This has always been a thing that we've worried about our teenagers, right? If we don't give them enough responsibility or jobs, they're going to go do something. You got to keep them in sports or you got to keep them volunteering. I don't know. But uh, it's kind of funny, right? He says that, and then this impacts our main character. He's like, oh, shit, yeah. I haven't been doing enough, and this is why I'm murdering. That actually gets backed up by our Vivica A. Fox character later when she's like, this demon only picks the laziest, slackerest yeah. motherfucker to go in. <laughs> and you're like, holy shit, this is actually something that they're running with here. Yeah, his solution, his solution to the whole idle hands thing is to take up knitting, and he thinks it's working. His zombie friends are skeptical, though, and they're proven right when the two cops from earlier come to Anton's house for a noise complaint. The cops realize he's the killer and try to bring him in, but of course the hand quickly dispatches them and give the screenwriters some credit here these deaths are way more realistic than the last few (laughs) they are um i think it would be very challenging to jam a knitting needle through someone's entire skull more challenging than sending a circular saw disc through a person's spine neck and throat no, less exactly. challenging than that. Exactly, less, that, they're they're getting closer. Yeah, that one's a little better. The other police officer, um, the actor I recognize from a uh, McPoyle from It's Always Sunny in yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah, man, he's uh, Liam McPoyle, I think. So I love seeing him there. I love those guys. I think they're hilarious. Uh, but he eats it by getting a taser to the face. I thought tasers weren't supposed to be like melt somebody lethal. I know that they can stop someone's heart. Yeah, to answer your question with the taser, I, I'm, I'm sure you could. There's got to be a way you could theoretically make it lethal if you put enough of a charge in there. But you'd think that police issue ones would have a thing in there not to do it. But hey, it is the 90s. And it is the movie, so I guess we're going to do it. He gets shot in the face, and his face starts melting. We get a decent makeup effect as both cops go down, and they are dead. Uh, the friends are kind of like, sweet, You now you're not going to jail, but also, you're fucked, man. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, shit's getting real now, so Devin Sawa decides to take drastic measures. He's going to cut off the hand. Not the left one, though. That's a keeper, much like this beer. Huh? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he, he needs to keep it because it is his t-ing hand. You can't <laughs> let that shit go, right? You got to keep good old lefty available. To, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. He's a lefty. How about that? We get more comedy here as he unsuccessfully tries to use a bagel cutter and electric carver before finally settling on a good old-fashioned cleaver. He does, in fact, manage to take the hand off, but a bloody message scrawled in the floor afterwards tells him this isn't over. This scene must have infuriated you. <laughs> Was it because you could see my eyes rolling out of my fucking head as I was looking at it? (laughs) You were not happy. Oh, my God. (laughs) This sucks so bad. There was like seven minutes of him trying to chop his own hand off with the cleaver as it moved away or around as he was swinging. It was only after he took the severed head of his undead friend and stuck his hand in it while he bit down that he was able to chop his own fucking arm off. Okay, but even that makes no sense because if the hand is strong enough to pull Devin Sawa's whole body it can't pull a detached head off a table like come on it would have smashed the head we saw it explode his mom under a bed she literally turned into blood and dust as it like exploded (laughs) her and that happens multiple times in this movie the fact that he was able to bite the hand and chop it off was fucking insane of course we know this was a dumb idea 
At least attached to him, he had some control of where it was. Now that hand has fucking free reign to do whatever it wants, and it's telling him he fucked up. So I don't know. I'm I'm really angry at the whole hand thing. The only good thing about this is I hated the entire time he was fighting himself. His acting was not pulling it off. No. It was absolutely shit. So at least now he can chase after a fucking hand and we don't have to worry about him like pretending to control his body poorly. There you go. Way to stay positive. Yeah, I'm, I'm a- <laughs> looking up. Things are looking up for me here. This scene made me cringe so hard, but I'm actually like, at least we're moving forward and we're going to get resolution, and at least I don't have to see any more of that bullshit. Hey, we sure are moving forward. It's time for the big dance, and after trapping his hand in the microwave and trying to fry it, Anton is ready to go, but his friends come back with antiseptic and adhesive bandages, the ouch-free kind, and they're in the mood for microwave burritos, so yeah, the hand is loose again, which Anton discovers after he tells Jessica Alba to go on without him and returns to the house. We also get some gross-out burrito comedy here. Oh my goodness. Yeah, there's a lot here that's like a problem. Jessica Alba shows up at the house to take Anton to the dance, and she's dressed as an angel. I feel like that's very 90s also for some reason. That's just like those kind of costumes. I'm like, that's a 90s She reminded me of Claire Danes from... Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yes. she kind of had that kind of image. That could be intentional. I think it may be. It might be a throwback to that. Like That, that is look, a, I feel, was very common in the... Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it brought me back. It's hard watching this because I know it is guided towards teenagers, but she's really young in this. How I, old is she like, in real life? She's got to be our age now. Like, she's similar age to us. So you're saying she was 15 when they made this? Or no, uh, 17? She may have been like 18 or 19 when she was doing this movie. Movie. yeah 18 yeah 18 i mean it's it's legal um but as a 40 year old man it feels weird ogling an 18 year old who i know now is in her like early 40s which is fine but well i was gonna say that should be why it's fine right like it'd be one thing if it was like a present day 18 year old you definitely that would be probably um, yeah that wouldn't be, be okay them. but yeah um but it it is something where it's uncomfortable as uh this is something as i no, see, no i disagree I because with. this came out when we were that age we were teenagers yes. no, no there's no, like absolutely. a there's a grace yeah. period there because it's not it's not present day you ogling her it's like mentally it's like teenage you ogling her If it was fine back then, it should still be fine now. (laughs) I'm not sold on that. I stand by this theory. I'm glad that it makes you feel better. It's grandfathered in. (laughs) It's like if you watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Phoebe Cates pops her top. She's like whatever. But at the time, I was like four, so it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) So as long as it's in black and white, it doesn't matter what happens in that video. It's what you're saying. You can go back to the 50s, 60s, 70s, and it's all good. Yeah, because those ladies are like older than me. so (laughs) Most of them aren't even alive anymore. There you you go. Yeah. (laughs) So she's looking attractive in her angel outfit, um, trying to pull him there. He does get her to go to the dance on her own. The fact that they open the thing to eat some burritos and the hand flies from the microwave across a kitchen and out a window instantly. Like the hand fucking flew. Yeah, Superman's it right out of there. Yeah, Yeah. which is is shocking. Then instead of cleaning a bloody microwave, they heat up some burritos. Well, they're dead. What's it going to do to them? Nothing, nothing. But but what is eating going to do for them? I mean, they'll get the taste still, I guess. Would they? Uh, apparently. I don't know. So They say, mmm. Yeah, the headless guy chews on it, and because his head is disconnected from his body, the burrito goo starts pouring out of his neck, and it's gross. We get some duct tape. I call that. He, he like, scoops it and puts it back in his uh, mouth. He yes. does the, the human, he human centipedes it, kind of. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah. It's pretty gross. Um, so, yeah, all of this is like, eh, I'm not enjoying it. It did make <laughs> me pine for a... Microwave burrito, though? I don't know the last decade oh, hey, I had one of those. You can get burritos for lunch. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, all right. 
And you know what we haven't seen in a while? Vivica A. Fox. She rolls into town and heads for the bowling alley where the first murder happened. Randy is also there and noticing how hot she is, decides to strike up a conversation, which is convenient because after she tells him everything about why she's there, how she comes from a long line of priestesses who hunt evil, specifically a demon that possesses the hand of the laziest fuck it can find, Randy recalls what Anton told him earlier that day and takes her right to his house. Now, is this a wildly improbable series of events? Absolutely. But I do appreciate them tying this together quick so we can keep this thing at 90 minutes. Uh, that's true. That is the only benefit of this. I was pissed at the fact <laughs> that were. she was like, I am a druid, and I know all of the magic that can stop this demon, and my family's been doing it for decades, and I'm going to tell this random creepy <laughs> yeah. dude at the bowling alley. Immediately. Nice to meet you, sir. Did you know that I'm a demonic priestess who hunts for fucking, yeah, I don't know, man. This gets way better addressed in lots of movies. Um, What's the one we watched uh, with your, your favorite in it? Demon Knight. Yeah, this, this, Crypt, Demon yeah, Knight? this yeah. works way better in Demon Knight than it does here. This is coming off real shitty for me. Uh, but they're on the case, and like you said, things are going to move forward fast. I guess the good news is this movie's going to end soon. <laughs> I mean, we are headed for a resolution. Uh, they get to Anton's house, and Vivica A. Fox tries to stop them, but she gets backed into by Randy's truck, which they are currently stealing. So Anton gets away and heads to the dance to try to protect Jessica Alba. The hand is already there, though, and as we see in a quick scene, it is making life miserable for a couple of horny teenagers. I mean... For a second, it made life pleasurable as three hands were caressing the breasts of this young woman. I don't, I don't understand how that made it better, but it quickly chokes her out and kills her kiss-faced friend. They're oh, both yeah, their costumes kiss where they were kissed. But yeah. I thought that was, that's kind of weird. You dress up like two of the members of Kiss, and then you're gonna f each other. And so they're like Gene Simmons is f***ing Peter Chris. Like, what's the? <laughs> how is that appealing? I don't know. I mean, a lot of the Kiss fans dress up with that makeup too. So maybe she was being a groupie, and maybe he was supposed to be Gene Simmons. There is a good line here from Seth Green when they arrive and find those two dead bodies. What a waste. I thought you didn't like Curtis. I'm talking about that ass. Well, at least he died happy. <laughs> <laughs> that part was pretty funny. So we transition from the hand murdering some teens to finding the pervy principal calling a sex line from his office. Yeah, I guess that horniness is contagious. The principal is calling a fucking 976 number so you can off and you know doesn't like that the hand because masturbation is bad that's the message of this movie well the hand starts feeling up his c and he's kind of into it until he tears it off and the principal bleeds out from his groin yeah he knighted the demons him remember that fucking yeah. biker oh knighted the demons <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. That's just like Night of the Demons when that guy gets his dick torn off. At least we don't see the dick in this one. I'm pretty sure we got a visual of that before it got torn yeah, off. Yeah, the principal does not hang dong, so uh, that we we avoid that, I guess. What a disappointment. <laughs> got to do something for our female. We just saw we got breasts. got those boobs, yeah. 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 Oh, you're well, right. That's the, what I mean. the female audience. They got Devin Sawa. They don't need to see some yeah. principal's dong. Yeah. <laughs> we... <laughs> The words that you just said are hilarious. It's true. <laughs> we are uh, building to quite a climax here as Randy and Vivica A. Fox arrive at the dance while Anton desperately searches for the hand. Vivica finds Anton and is going to kill him. At least she was going to kill him until she realizes he no longer has the hand attached to his body. But... This does come after a reasonably decent fight scene, which is, I guess, a little bit undercut by Randy yelling at them for touching his Ford. He really loves that fucking truck, eh? Oh, my God. Well, that's what's keeping him from having idle hands. It could have been him as the one with this weird hand, but he plays with his truck a lot. He does say that, yeah, the truck is his uh, key to avoiding yeah. damnation, I guess. Yeah, I which know. is pretty hilarious. This is where she's like, well, guess what, bud? 
That hand is after your girlfriend, and it's going to drag her to hell at 12. He looks at the clock, and he says, we got three hours and a bit to save this. And she looks at her hand and pulls out her fucking druid watch. Yeah, she has a <laughs> she has a watch that tells druid time. And it turns out they only have six minutes. Last week, we were 10 to midnight. Now it's 6 to midnight. You know who else was 6 to midnight? Me when I saw Vivica Fox at the start of this movie. <laughs> I couldn't have less of an erection when this druid watch came out. I was so angry that all of the blood was coming to my actual head because i was so fucking pissed i was like oh my god this is insane so we're about to get a culmination here as we head to the gym i don't think we mentioned yet the gym has got a band playing and it's the fucking offspring it's the offspring yeah man but they aren't playing offspring songs they're playing like they did like a ramon song and something else i don't know yeah but they're doing some cool covers here playing to everyone in the audience and it's pretty good uh, I'm enjoying that for sure. That's bringing something. Well, you to are this a big. I was going to ask you how much the soundtrack is. I guess you'll tell us in the ratings, but yeah. how much the soundtrack will redeem this for you? Because you are a huge soundtrack guy, as we found out when you fucking raved about Tank Girl a couple weeks ago. Jesus. Anyway, Anton runs on stage and interrupts the Offspring set, but everyone laughs off his warning. Now they aren't laughing when the hand rips the lead singer's scalp off his head and starts fucking shit up, though. People panic, and Jessica Alba crawls into a vent with her best friend to try to escape. They almost make it, too, until her friend gets scared of a big fan, which allows the hand to tie a rope around her neck and hang her, which ultimately causes the fan to chop her to a million pieces. Irony! What the fuck? Like, one, why are you crawling into a vent when there's a murder hand that can chase you in there? It'll fit in that vent real easily. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was like, this is really stupid. They get trapped in this vent. Like, I don't know, vents, I think, are a problem. People don't crawl through those in real yeah, life. Yeah, you're right. We have too many vents. That's but the problem. People don't crawl through them in real life, but they get used all the time in movies. This is my problem, is that a vent is a solution to a bunch well, of wait, problems. Wait, listen. We've just never been in a situation where we had to crawl into a vent. I think that situation does exist. Would the choice for you to be like, I'm going to the vent, or would you leave through a fucking door or window? Well, I'm very tall, so for me, a vent is an uncomfortable. Like, I'd yeah. be... Nobody's going into It'd the vent. It'd be all forearms for but me. But they head into the vent, and it's really stupid. The one girl dies because she... She doesn't jump down from the vent into the hallway. The hilarious part is one of the undead are angry because they thought they were going to f*** her. Well, she was making out with fucking Fulton Reed at the dance, like yeah. hard. Yeah, she was making out with him. She liked that his costume seemed so real. You know what? This raises a practical issue. He doesn't have blood flow. There's no that's way That's right. I was going to say, if no. you're dead, can you even get an erection? No, no. The guy could not have f***ed her. Although, rigor mortis. Maybe you've got a permanent <laughs> erection. Huh? you got a belt tucked that uh, thing all day long. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, the way that she seemed into him, she would have made it work no matter how soft it was, I think. She Apparently. was kind of going for it. The female characters of this movie are not given a lot of traction. Oh, that is true. They are. They if are. we think of all of the female characters in this movie, they are given very little yeah. in terms of development. And they all just want to get f by stupid teenagers pretty much that is true again this movie is written for teenagers specifically teenage boys oh absolutely that's all this is like yeah. was it written by teenage boys i have a theory on that that we'll discuss okay. later but all let's right. wrap this thing up first jessica alba is on the run but the hand knocks her out and ties her to the roof of a car in the school's auto shop the car is slowly being raised towards the satanic symbol which presumably is a gateway to hell like after it squishes her her soul will go to hell also, the hand is in a puppet now, so it looks really funny when they're fighting it. Or it's supposed to, but I don't recall a lot of laughs. laughs. 
Um, yeah, so she gets knocked out in the art room. That's where it happens. But also in the art room are a bunch of puppets. You love puppets. I love you puppets. You love puppets. I absolutely love the puppets. The movie got better for you here. Kind of. I was... I, <laughs> I, I preferred that the hand the hand was operating a puppet and then that puppet was then evil. The one that they chose to was pretty fucking funny. I liked it. Um, so this evil fucking puppet controlled by a demonic hand is trying to squish Jessica Alba into the roof, into this demonic symbol. And of course, we have our three characters, our two undead and our handless wonder here going to try to stop it. The next part just was so frustrating. <laughs> I don't even know. I got to let you describe it because I'm going to be rageful rather than laughing. They, uh, Yeah, they can't overwhelm this thing with strength. I guess it's like super strong. This puppet is too fucking strong. <laughs> so their solution to defeat the puppet is to get it really, really high, which they do because I guess the mechanics in the auto shop built some giant like chrome bong that could like service multiple people. It was like a people. super muffler bong thing that they big, built. Yeah, very oh. big bong. And so they, they fucking light some weed in this bong, smoke it, and blow the smoke into the puppet. Now, we can tell that the puppet is super high because the expression on its face changes to a goofy smile with bloodshot eyes. It was like the fucking thing in Airplane, the autopilot, oh that inflatable guy. God. The head turns and it's got this different look. I actually kind of laughed at that part. Now, it, it falls off the crank, which saves Jessica Alba. But the hand recovers quickly and leaps through the air, only to get impaled by Vivica A. Fox's dagger. Now, the dagger actually pins the hand to Seth Green's body, where it kind of just dissolves away, causing him to correctly point out the underwhelming conclusion. That's it? That's it? No explosions? No hellfire? No... I mean, no, I'm glad everybody's all right, but yeah, that was weak. <laughs> I wonder if... They had different effects and they didn't work, and they had or they to reshoot money. this. Yeah, <laughs> like I wonder, like they clearly wrote in that this effect was garbage on purpose because they couldn't pull it off in another way. We can save tens of thousands of dollars by just and have Seth just make fun of it. Yeah. Yes, I think that's kind of how it went. Immediately after the hand is gone, Vivica A. Fox tells Randy that it's time to go. F oh yes, we have a series of happy endings coming, and that, in my opinion, is the happiest of all. <laughs> it, were you not angry that Randy was the character that got to go f*** Vivica? I mean, he had been by her side all night. He revived her when she got hit by that truck. I think he's earned a little something. Oh, okay, yeah. So did the writers of this movie who made all of the women f*** somebody yeah, or die. Again, it's a really unflattering portrayal of all the women. Uh, but as I mentioned, happy endings for literally everybody. Although in order for them to happen, Anton first gets the card dropped on him. This uh, opens the door to heaven, which his friends can now walk through, turning them into angels who are free to perv out on sexy ladies. Anton, however, chooses not to join them, which is kind of the ultimate compliment to Jessica Alba, and it makes her even more into him than she already is. Yeah, this is fucked, right? So he cuts her down from that car, and she immediately starts making out with him, right? That's like... That makes sense to me. That part tracks. She's not at all... Like, she almost died and instead of being like hurt or upset about almost dying she just makes out with him underneath the lift the lift then crashes down on him and basically kills him it's because seth green like pulls the bong out to take some more weed and the yeah. bong was like on the i don't know it somehow was like blocked it somehow knocked out the puppet something happens their friends make a drop it's bullshit but yeah the undead kill him basically he stays and they go to heaven He's in a bed, full cast. Yes, we get a bit more comedy before we hit the credits. He is in the hospital room. Jessica Alba's there writing I love you on his cast. She's all into him and stuff. 
the undead friends who are now in heaven are his guardian angels, and it seems like a wonderful ending for everyone, but when they leave and turn the lights out in Anton's room, he looks up on the ceiling, and we see the same glow-in-the-dark, I'm under the bed message from the start of the movie. Now, my first thought was, we're going to get a classic horror ending where you think the main character out of the woods only for them to die right at the end, but it turns out that uh, Seth Green and Fulton Reed painted on the ceiling roof, and I guess in hindsight, tonally, that would have been a very abrupt turn. Yeah, I would have liked it way better, though. I love the ending where the character dies. I think that's great. Yeah. I think that shit's always enjoyable. I but in this case, they were just, it's so lighthearted in a way that to do that then would be almost The like, fact that it's just the stoner friends playing a joke as angels was annoying, though. And they're heading out to the hall to get fucking snacks. No, they're going to walk through a nurse, but then the one says, be careful, summer guys, which is... In hindsight, problematic. I'm sure you also didn't like that part of this. I didn't love that either, no. Yeah, so I don't know. It was interesting ending. The fact that he's just in a cast and that's the way that we ended. He, like, survives and he's in a cast. They're in love, right? What's their future going to be? Was every bone in his body shattered? Like, he's going to be in that hospital bed for, like, a fucking year. Yeah, for sure. Their future is they'll date through high school, then she'll fucking turkey dump him. Yeah, oh, for sure. She's way hotter than he is. There's no way that he uh, Again, her. you're going to get the ladies mad at you now. The, the women love Devin Sawa, and the women do not love Jessica Alba. I have no idea. <laughs> well, how about this movie, though? Uh, yeah. How about this movie? I don't know. And, then, and, then, and that's it, man. We're into the credits, and, uh, you know, I, I don't... Uh, I have very strange feelings about this, because I think you already kind of touched on it. Like, you didn't see this as a teenager, but it was essentially written for us as teenagers. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I, I felt a weird conflicting emotion watching this of like a, I should like this, but I don't. Yeah, I, I struggled with this too. I, I think if I had have seen it 20 years ago, right, if I had have watched it when it was appropriate for me to watch it, I think I would have enjoyed it more for sure. Oh, definitely more. Yes. But would you have still enjoyed it though? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't like it tonally. Like if we're, if we're thinking about our ratings. I think we should just get into that now yeah. because we're basically about to start talking about it. So the way we always do this, we rate the movie on a scale of one to 10, two times, one to 10 for how bad it is, one to 10 for how enjoyable. And the goal of this whole podcast is to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales or what we call the crit 20. And for me, I actually can't give this a 10 bad because I feel like some of the effects makeup like around the deaths and stuff were actually like pretty decent and there were a couple of things that I chuckled at. I mentioned a couple of the lines that kind of tickled me. So this is not a like, complete abject failure, but I kind of feel like this movie was like written by an AI. Like if you fed the phrase 90s horror movie comedy into a computer, this is what would come out. Think about all the 90s movie and horror movie tropes that are in this thing. And, like, even the casting. Who's hot right now? Jessica Alba. And get that kid from Austin Powers in there. Is Vivica A. Fox available? Like, it just seems like the whole thing was, let's try and squeeze some money out of teenagers by giving them, like, stoner humor, recognizable faces, and, like, a, a hot lady that teenage boys can perv out on. Was Scream popular around this time, too? This is 99, we said, yeah. and Austin Powers was 97. American Pie would have been around 99. I feel like Scream was out before that. I think so. so probably, I feel like yeah. this is, like you said, trying to put together the success of those different franchises, right? Yeah. How do we get some Austin Powers, some American Pie? How do we get some Scream into a movie together? And it's going to be just the biggest blockbuster. Every teen is going to want to watch this shit is kind of how I feel like they went with this. Yeah, but I don't feel like they made a lot of money off this. I, we didn't do enough research, rather. We didn't do any research i didn't do <laughs> i didn't do enough research to check the boxes but I, I feel like this was not a giant hit and i think i mean part of that is it I, sucks I'm, well but like 
I'm not a big Devin Sawa fan. He's not a good actor, or at least not a good comedic actor. The physical comedy he's doing in this is really weak. And I think the bigger problem for me and for this movie as a whole is the whole genre thing, like whether this is more horror or comedy. And I don't really have an answer. Like in many ways, this is shot like a horror, but the deaths really aren't treated with any weight. And there's clearly comedy elements in here, but I really didn't find it that funny. This might kind of be like a neither fish nor fowl situation. And like they didn't really stick the landing on either one. So what do you? what's your bad then? Well, like I said, I laughed at a couple of things and I felt like some of the makeup and practical effects were decent. So I have this as an eight, but I'll tell you right now, my enjoyable rating is going to be way, way lower than that. Yeah. I think the biggest problem, like you said, and I agree with you, is the mix of tone and what this movie is trying to achieve. I think making a movie that has zero quality female characters and Devin Sawa as the lead is also a problem, <laughs> right? Because if if you put Devin Sawa as the lead of your movie and you want women to go see it, you at least need to make some credible female characters. Oh, that's a good point. Right? Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of the failure of this movie was it's made for teen boys, but teen boys don't really like Devin Sawa. Fair. Right? Yeah. Like, teen boys are like, fuck that guy. I don't understand why other girls like him. Yeah, but they like Jessica Alba. Absolutely. But why would you put the two together when girls hate Jessica Alba? Like, you basically put mm -hmm. together popular people at the time, but not thought about how the audience would, like... Well, that's why I feel... It feels like, together, personally, yeah. it feels like a computer made this movie and not an actual human. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, I think the acting is bad. I hated every moment where he... Devin Sawa was versus his own hand. That's what I'm saying. He can't it, pull the comedy off it at was, all. It was absolutely awful. The concept itself is not very good to me. The stoner humor doesn't land nearly as effectively as many other stoner humor movies. It felt, like, PG-ish almost. Yeah. It's like a childish stoner humor where, like, you could do... I thought Dude Wears My Car was funnier than this. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. I don't even remember what I gave that, but I think I laughed more at Dude Where's My Car for sure. I know sure. you love the Andy Dick scene. Who does not love Andy oh. Dick? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so I thought this was a pretty bad movie. Although, like you said, the soundtrack uh, was done well. And I actually think <laughs> the, the effects are quite well done. They're decent. Yeah, yeah I think they're, they're decent. decent effects. I had this as an eight bad as well. Oh, and, and for me, that was what was carried with it. I don't think we're going to be as far apart as we thought. We fought a lot in our Tank Girl episode about yeah. where we should be. I think that we're probably closer to this. I think both of us recognize that this movie didn't pull off what it wanted. Even for, I think, teen male teens at the time, this didn't do what it was supposed to. Me watching for the first time as a 40-year-old man also makes this not... We talked about that in our Dude, Where's My Car episode, too. Yeah. The, the experience of watching it at the age we are now, like, you've got fucking kids, we're both married. It's a very different thing than if we were, like, some piece of shit 16-year-old, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, and I think I would have enjoyed this more. I think it still would have been a pretty similar bad rating. Right. I would have enjoyed this more. Well, let's talk about your enjoyable rating. How enjoyable did you have this on a scale of one to ten so the only thing that carried it for me would be the soundtrack yeah um, there we go i love the soundtrack the offspring popping up in there was great i like that a lot i immediately when they popped in i was like oh my god look who like that's the yeah. yeah yeah like i was like holy shit um the makeup and effects i thought were pretty well done um i think that they like technically this was executed fine i think the cinematography was actually good too they used good shots yeah. for a lot of the horror moments the jump scares Tonally, though, it just didn't function at all for me. Um, I'm going to say I enjoyed Jessica Alba's part in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Not not for her acting, but right. for um, bringing me back to when I was a teenage boy and appreciating who Jessica Alba was. But overall, I was not a huge fan of this. My enjoyment rating on this was a five. Okay. Um, so I had a really hard time with the enjoyable rating because I didn't enjoy watching this much at all. But... I do feel a certain amount of nostalgia for this movie. Like we talked about, it was around when we were in high school, and I definitely had friends who loved the movie, 
But then when I was thinking about it, I remember that even back then, I wasn't really a fan. Like, I watched it a couple times with a couple people, maybe chuckle at some things, but I wasn't really into it. So even the nostalgia factor is kind of low for me. Like, I like some people in this, but the only enjoyment I really get is memories of the actual time period this was made and not the movie itself. So for me, I actually have this lower than you. I had this as a two. Holy shit. Yeah, I just Damn. like, I maybe it's because it's the second time I've seen it or third or fourth, or I don't even know, but I was like, it wasn't as funny as I remembered it being. The horror parts, like I said, didn't carry a lot of weight. I was never a big Jessica Alba guy, and I love seeing Vivica A. Fox in anything, but she's barely in this <laughs> yeah, and kind of wasted. Enough, the character yeah. is paper thin, so yeah, man, I, this is a two. I don't think I'll ever watch this again. That's fair. I don't think I ever will watch it again either. There were times I laughed. I, I think the music brought up my enjoyability for sure. That's probably where some of that extra came from, but there was not enough here to make it anything like that's worth holding on to right it was not good many of the other movies at that time like the american pie series uh can't hardly wait like those you things are- <laughs> fucking love can't hardly wait i know i knew that would oh, get man. a response no, from I you did, I did, like i said i, I was it, yeah. kind of just like a dud but you know it was yeah. not a dud the beer that we drank holy fuck this peanut butter milk stout i think that this is my favorite go-to stout dude i listen I love Canada, but no one in Canada makes a stout as good as this. It's like drinking a fucking Reese's peanut butter cup with obviously a little more bitterness, a little more alcohol, but it's fucking great. Yeah, I don't understand how they impart such tremendous peanut butter flavor. And That's what it is. Yeah, I've had other peanut flavored beers, but the peanut flavor does not come across nearly as well as it does in this. And I think it works better in a stout, right? Stout naturally has some chocolatey flavors and the sort of burnt grains tend to release more of those flavors, but whatever balance they've figured out here at left hand is just absolutely fucking fantastic. I cannot recommend this beer higher, right? There's like, yeah. I, I just can't go highly enough on how good this stout is. If you find left hand brewings, peanut butter stout, milk stout in any place where you can buy alcohol, do it. You will enjoy it. I think of all of the American breweries that we have drank, this now is the one I want to travel and visit the most. I mean, Colorado, it's one of the top three craft brewing yeah. states in the U.S., right? California, Colorado, Maine. Oregon? Yeah, that would be the other one. Michigan's up there, too. Yeah. so I Vermont? I, I bet you those are the top five or six Probably. right there, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, dude, I don't know if this is, if, I don't know if they ship nationally in the U.S., if this is still available in Canada, like check the LCBO website if you're in Ontario. But if you can get this, I agree with Noel. Get a hand on it. We're late in the season here. At the end of every season, we do like a top five beers uh, of the year. I would imagine this is going to end up on both of our lists. Oh, yeah. I think it's hard not to. I, I mean, part yeah. of it is when we're drinking it in the season. But I think uh, it's definitely going to hold a spot for me. I mean, I've had this before. I will have it again if I can get my hands on it. I think this is good anytime. Like, I know what you're saying. Like, we're late in the year, so it's going to kind of be fresh in our memory. But this is so fucking tasty that, like, if you, even if you go back and listen to us talking about previous beers, I feel like we're being very effusive right now with praise. I don't, think beer, I don't think there's a beer that we've been more positive on. I think you did claim one IPA was the your Roadhouse favorite. beer. Yeah. The Wishbone beer we had with Roadhouse. Ooh, yeah, that you was... put that like number two on your list. And that's not even, it's like a fucking lager. So yeah. that's high praise from you. It was you. delicious, yeah. There was definitely, yeah. But this is really, really good. And it by far the best part of uh, this day in terms of the movie. You're right. It was this better than the movie by Hot Way yeah. better. Way, way better than the movie. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of delicious beers and regrettable movies, <laughs> next week we are going to be watching a 
I don't even know how to explain this. It's like a uh, hockey drama. Oh, so we're going to be bringing some Canadiana to uh, the podcast, huh? I don't know if this was filmed in Canada. It must have been. It's a movie about fucking hockey. It could have been filmed in like Minnesota or something. But yeah. like, we're going to be watching Youngblood next week. Rob Lowe, Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze. Whoa, really? It's about hockey. Oh, yeah. That is a big pull. All three of it those is. are big names. But the real treat, at least for me, is going to be the beer that we pair with it next week. And we're actually going to have a special guest for next week's episode. Uh, my friend Kyle is going to come on. He is the largest hockey fan I know. And he is also friends with a guy who owns a craft brewery. Now, they only make one beer so far. Locker Room Lager, it's called. This is a delicious, like, clean, crisp lager. So hopefully Kyle can give us a little insight into the company itself. Plus, he'll let us know if the hockey is uh, legit or, you know, not so much. I don't know if Rob Lowe has real, like, you know, ice hockey hockey chops. That's going to be fun to see. All right, I'm excited for that. It's going to be fun to have your friend Kyle on. It's going to be fun to drink this beer. I might have to see if Kyle can hook me up with them so I can talk to them about expanding their lineup to stouts and IPAs. I was going to say, you're going to be like, hey, guys, what about a locker room IPA? Yeah, that might have to be next. You know, we'll talk about it. I don't (laughs) Don't ruin a good thing, man. Lagers are good. Let them just make their lagers. It could be a delicious lager. I'm excited to try it. That will, of course, be happening next week. But until then, if you have not already, please follow us on social media at the BMB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, and if you want to send us any uh, suggestions, Questions or some feedback, the BMB podcast at gmail.com. I know that there's quite a campaign going on to tell Cooper how wrong he is about Tank Girl, and I God, appreciate man, you're that. You're still support. on this? Just knock it off. It's amazing. Keep it up. Well, I'll tell you what you should keep up. Send us requests. Let us know. We're planning out next season. We've already got a couple of requests locked in, but we're certainly willing to take more. So get a hold of us. We're easy to find. And we hope you will join us next week for Young Blood. Until then, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Left is best. The film that gives horror movies the finger.